if you were to take a room of, of 100 people from a, a random sample of America and you played a song by Lady Gaga, I bet you 98 out of 100 of them would not know what that song is and not like it. And yet that two out of 100, the 2% makes her one of the biggest megastars alive today. So, mm -hmm. so I think coming into platforms like Submit Hub, it's important to keep the same thing in mind and to not dwell on, on the 80% who tell you they, they don't like your song, but you're trying to identify that two out of 100 or hopefully a higher ratio when you're, when you're on Submit Hub who can connect with your music and hopefully expose it to like-minded people with a mm -hmm. similar taste. So yeah, I mean, the rejection's tough, but that that's really, rather than trying to impress them and win them over, it's more about finding the people who already like your stuff and then, and then going from there. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. Excited to be here today with the one and only Jason Grishkoff. So Jason is the founder of Submit Hub. If you're a musician, then it's likely that you've heard of Submit Hub at, at some point or another. If you haven't, they're a platform that helps connect musicians with curators and influences or influencers. They've had over 3.5 million approved submissions, over 821,000 users on their platform, I think that's your, I mean, I, I would have to compare, but I think that's something that's like the number one platform in the world right now that, that does what you do. So super cool. So specifically today, I wanted to use it as an opportunity to be able to share some insight with artists who might be using the platform or interested in using the platform. I'm sure you've seen so many different examples of how to do it in the right way now and how to do it in the wrong yeah. way. And so it'd be great to kind of get your perspective on how to use this amazing tool and platform you've created to really help musicians grow. I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and kind of how you got started with Smith Hub and, and grew it to the number one platform in the world. Cool. I mean, I won't dwell too much on, on, on the history. I, to sum it up quickly, I started music blogging in 2007. I had a music blog, still do. It's called Indie Shuffle. It grew to be one of the bigger, more popular music blogs at the time. And, and part of that was my ability to, well, I essentially became obsessed with developing the product itself. So for most music bloggers, you were focused on music and blogging. And for me, it became an obsession of, of code, product, and, and growing the traffic to the website. So we were one of the first websites on the internet that allowed you to listen to music while you navigated around the website, which today, you know, take it for granted back then it was magic right it's mm -hmm. one of those perfect examples where you mean like of course the music keeps playing isn't that what it's supposed to do but it didn't back then and we did it mm -hmm. so so indie shuffle grew and it grew and we rode that wave of the, of the blogosphere won't get into that one too much but there was a point in time where music blogs were were king makers and queen makers if you were on the right side of the blogs you'd be booked to headline coachella right we, we collectively, about a thousand of us, had all the influence in the music industry. And Indie Shuffle was right up there riding that wave. That was cool. But one of the downsides was that I was getting 300 plus emails a day. And that became quite unmanageable to deal with. And eventually I just started to ignore it. I set up a fake email address, told people to, sh to, to hit me up there. And then I just never opened it. 
So if you were an artist in 2013, 2014, 2015, part of your promotion strategy was uh, first realizing that the internet exists and you need to do digital promo. Maybe you'd contact a publicist and they'd give you a quote for $2,000 per month over three months to run an ad campaign or a promo campaign. And then you go, okay, crap, hold on. Can I do this myself? And then you go buy a spreadsheet for $20 with 500 emails in it, BCC everyone and send it out. And we as bloggers hated that. And you as an artist got no response at all. So there was this perfect background storm of display advertising dying and music blogs losing their revenue and Spotify growing and, and Google changing the way that search engines do. And, and the net effect was that music blogs started to lose their thunder, their power. 2014, 2015. And I started to think, okay, man, I, I got to figure out what to do with myself here. Cause I, I had quit Google to take Indie Shuffle full time. Went from a really cushy salary to, oh crap, it's all disappearing. And so I wanted to take the skills I'd learned building Indie Shuffle and create a new technology software platform that would streamline the process of artists getting in touch with blogs. So Submit Hub was born seven years ago friday i think so we're now seven years and four days old but but the idea when i launched it was it was a really simple form where you would fill in the artist name song title paste your link and then i used that automagic code on the back end to translate that link into a nice unified player and so when i opened up my submit hub feed there were my 300 songs waiting for me but they were consistent in a nice feed and a thumb up Notified you, said, hey, Indie Shuffle likes this. You're going to get a, a blog post out of it. Thumb down. Man, sorry, buddy. It's not going to happen. And, and, and things took off really quickly. Within the first months, there were a few thousand registered users already. And I managed to, to sign up quite a few other blogs who were having the same problem and, and whom, with whom I developed that network. And, and yeah, this, it's, it's now been seven years of this. Like, I have not stopped coding day in and day out, building the product to try and streamline and, and make as transparent as possible this connection between curators and musicians. So the Submit Hub you see today still has the original core functionality of artists pitching songs to curators, but the technology has come so much further and, and we're just sitting on so much data that we can use to try and improve those matches, set expectations. And ultimately, we, we never commit to delivering success that's that's something we can get into and that's really difficult to to get you can't guarantee it right it's a subjective thing but what we what we're quite confident about now is that the the connections themselves are are streamlined and transparent so that's kind of the mm. rapid history of of how submit hub came to be cool oh man that's that's so interesting and you know, as you're describing that one thing that kind of popped into my mind is you know right now at the time of recording this there's a lot of like in the news cycle it's elon musk purchased twitter and i'm not sure how up to date you are on on that whole whole thing but um, one of his moves is that he wants to make twitter like a subscription platform and kind of create this gate because this gate the idea is that it will remove a lot of the spam a lot of the bots and make it a lot more expensive to create bots or kind of fake things so one thing that kind of stands out to me in terms of what you built with your platform is one, the value proposition of like, yeah, you can pay someone thousands of dollars per month to kind of go do this. But now you have a platform where for a, like a significant fraction of the price, you can directly get synced up 
with those right people. It's kind of a bridge. And one way of looking at it that it's also a better, it's a service for the curators as well, because it kind of filters out all of the, or a good amount of the non, like sort of like either bot generated slash free traffic, where it's just like you BCC everyone and, and drop it. So that's kind of an interesting tie-in. Like, I'm not sure if we'll see what happens with Elon and Twitter or whatnot, but yeah, I think the yeah. idea of gating that type of access seems like a, a really smart a w- way to, you know, benefit both parties. It, it It's a, a double-edged sword. So it has made the ability to connect with and find curators way easier. And so what that means is that there are, you know, we already know that there are more artists now than there have ever been releasing more songs than there have ever been. And they're all mm-hmm. competing with each other and they're competing with, you know, a hundred years of back catalog. Every day it gets harder and harder and harder. And what's happened on SubmitHub is that that ease of use and accessibility actually means that many of these artists are actually using it and competing against each other. So it's not necessarily making it easier. But on a tangent, one thing you did make me think about is what people sometimes don't see is that we are effectively curating the curators. So mm. we are protecting artists from fake playlists, fake accounts, and people who want to take advantage of them. So mm. I, do, I do often see, right? I mean, the, I don't think Elon Musk is going to solve this Twitter thing because one of the problems with Twitter is it's just a really negative space where people to go to to complain and and oh gosh I've heard the the phrase before but where you, you like try to make yourself look better than other people and a lot of social media in, in general right yeah. <laughs> yeah and and it's just not a, a healthy ecosystem but I do go on there fairly frequently to see what people are complaining about with SubmitHub and you know they're often complaining about things it's it's never easy to to be rejected right and SubmitHub mm-hmm. you know. Seven years ago, you sent out 500 emails. No one responded. Well, at least you didn't get stabbed in the heart. Now you contact right. 50 bloggers and 45 of them tell you they don't like your song. Ouch, dude. And, and, and I sympathize with that. And, and there's no easy solution for it, right? We've, we've improved the targeting enough. So, so when it launched and for the first three or four years, I think it was about a 10% approval rate. Now it's in the 20% range. And okay. that's, that's due to improved targeting. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, I guess my point is that it, it's not so much that there's a higher quality or a filter for the artists. So actually, what I think is interesting here is that we are constantly filtering the curators to make sure that we're presenting a directory of people who can actually help artists in some way, shape or form. Mm, very cool. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's really a major part of it is curating the, the curators as well. And yeah, interesting, like, especially when it comes to our artwork and our music, you know, it, it can feel really personal if we, if we get rejected or so yeah, I can, I can see how that would be a difficult thing to stomach for some people, especially, but, but also at the same time, it seems like, you know, you, you got to develop thick skin if you, if you want to be successful as a musician, like, you know, you have to kind of acknowledge that not everyone's going to enjoy it or appreciate it and that it's okay. In some cases, even the people close to you, like your friends and family, like they want to support you, but they just might not yeah. like the music, right? But some people do. Some people will, will really enjoy it if you find those right people. And those are, those are the ones that, that it really matters to, to be able to serve. To, to put it in some perspective, if you were to take a room of, of 100 people from a, a random sample of America and you played a song by Lady Gaga, I bet you 98 out of 100 of them would not know what that song is and not like it. And yet th- that 2 out of 100, the 2% makes her one of the biggest megastars alive today. So, so... I think coming into platforms like SubmitHub, it's important to keep the same thing in mind and to not dwell on, on the 
80% who tell you they, they don't like your song, but you're trying to identify that two out of 100 or hopefully a higher ratio when you're, when you're on SubmitHub who can connect with your music and hopefully expose it to like-minded people with a mm -hmm. similar taste. So yeah, I mean, the rejection's tough, but that, that's really, rather than trying to impress them and win them over, it's more about finding the people who already like your stuff and then, and then going from there. So mm. it can be helpful in that sense. And, and that's one way to get past the rejection. Like they, just, just remind yourself that even the biggest megastars out there face a similar level of, of rejection. Mm. Yeah, that's such a, such a good point. And, and I feel like it's a valuable lesson to kind of come back to as, as musicians, appreciating that just because someone doesn't like your music, sometimes I use this analogy where it's, you know, it's kind of like we all resonate at a certain frequency. Like our music is sort of like, let's imagine that my songs are like I'm resonating at this frequency, a C chord. And if you put it in front of someone who's playing like a different chord and just resonates at a different frequency, like they both sound fine by themselves. But like when you put them together, you know, like it just, it just clashes or doesn't fit. And it's not necessarily because either one is, is wrong. It's just different, you know, reson resonation. And so you just... So it sounds like what you're saying is that part of the engine of Smith Hub and why it's gotten so much, it's improved significantly and probably a big reason why it's become the number one platform is because of your ability to use data to basically figure out, huh, like this person's resonating at this frequency. I guess like, you know, we should match them up with these curators and they resonate. I wish I could say that, them. man. That, that sounds like a good approach to do. It's such a subjective thing. I mean, I suppose, yeah, I could look at it. You would have to have a big enough sample size, right? So you submit to 20 or 30 people, you get rejected by 25, you get approved by five. And then I'd say, okay, who were the five approved? You find similar ones and then recommend it. I don't do that. <laughs> but that's, it's a really logical way to approach it. Maybe one day I should try to think of it that way. And well, and you said that right like, now, you guys have curated like the curators that are like, you, you, like that's part of why it went from 10% to 20% because you're like matching them with the right people. Well, so, so genre matching is a really important part of it. And it's a very subjective thing, what genre you're in. And you often find that two people have different definitions of the same genre. And, and mm. so that can be difficult. And one of the steps that we took to improve that was really to expand the number of genres that we feature on Submit Up. So we started with five. I think we had hip hop, rock, electronic, pop, and other. And now we've got about 230 genres on there. So, so that granularity wow. allows for better matchups. We also do a better job setting expectations. So if there is someone on Submit Hub who approves one out of every 1,000 submissions, we're, we're telling you that. In some cases, we'll actually automatically hide them so that you cannot send to them. It, we're just, we're basically saying, Hey dude, like, don't waste your time here. There's a 99.9% .9 chance of rejection. So you're just tossing away your credits. So there've been a lot of lessons that we've learned along the way in terms of, of how to make sure that people are not making bad decisions about who to send to and are better aligned with that. So, so that is sort of the, the algorithmic stuff behind it. Like this genre match algorithm I wrote, I actually looked back at two weeks ago and I wondered what the heck I wrote. <laughs> and I had to spend some time going through it. I'm like, oh yeah, all right. Okay, I see what I did. Yeah, all right, that makes sense. So, so there are these underlying things going on that sort of help drive the decisions and push people towards that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think in large part, that's what has driven that improvement in, in sort of matching. But I don't go back and sort of take a sample size and grow from there. And I, I think one of my hesitations there is 
I don't like pushing Submit Hub as a product. Like we don't have a marketing team. We don't do advertising. And and for me to do something like that, I'd have to say, hey, it's me, Submit Hub. Looks like you sent to 20 people. We've found another 50 matches for you. Why don't you come on in and try? Like it just feels kind of salesy. And I don't feel comfortable doing that at this point. But I, th- I mean, I think I think what you're onto is a good idea. And there probably are cleaner ways that it can be conveyed without feeling like a pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And, but a, yeah, that's a, but emotional. So, <laughs> well, as someone who has felt, I mean, I think especially musicians, like we come from a camp where we, the last thing we want is to come across as salesy or manipulative or trying to like convince someone to do something that isn't in their best interest. Right. And it seems like just from our short conversation we've had so far that that's really kind of the ethos of what you've created is you want to create a platform that genuinely serves people. And even like in that analogy with like the, the chords, I think the genre matching that, that you're doing could be like seen as like a, you know, a strong way, which, which you are doing to kind of match up those people and make sure that they resonate with each other. But yeah, it, definitely interesting as a potential opportunity is like using big data to basically like match and yeah. find based on those recommendations. You know, these are the Machine people who are most likely to resonate. Artificial intelligence. <laughs> Submit up the yeah. first machine learning artificially intelligently <laughs> powered web three submit up token. There are endless ways to go about it. I try to operate in spaces I feel comfortable in. And I think what, what you're suggesting is is cool. One of the, the more likely things I'll do sometime soon is to look at the artists that you find yourself similar to and then look at the artists that curators are approving, look for overlaps uh, and then recommend people who overlap. Yeah. So that makes a ton of sense. Right. So cool. if you say, oh, my music sounds like Bonobo and Taiko and Emancipator, I'll be like, okay, cool. Down tempo. Cool. Run it through this thing Then I'll use Spotify's API actually does. There are some things they're great at revealing and other things that they suck at revealing. Like listeners, they don't tell you how many listeners a playlist has. We've, we've got that. I use, I use data for that one. Cool. But they're good at revealing similar artists. So you can, you can pull up an artist profile on Spotify. And you can just see that similar artist section, right? And sometimes it's accurate, sometimes it's not, but you can still use that as a reference. And then I could go through a playlist and say like, okay, like there are 50 songs in here. Here are the artists that show up most often as similar and then build overlaps from there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's actually on my wish list. I've, I've got, if you go to submithub.com slash stories, you'll see my, my wish list of all the features I, I hope to code. And, cool. and that is one of them. I don't think it's awesome. going to happen this year, but maybe early next year. Yeah. Very cool. So just out of curiosity, when it comes to Spotify's API with the suggested music, is that just on like an artist by artist basis? Or can you do that same thing with like a song where it's like a suggested song based on a certain track? I haven't looked. So so their their API is is public and, and well documented. Pretty much anyone can sign up to it. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's definitely possible to look up similar artists. I don't know about similarity for songs. I wouldn't be surprised if it's possible. A, a lot of the stuff I've done with their API does involve sort of connecting the dots and, and figuring things out. So for example, on our playlists, I do some audio analysis of all of the playlists. So I take all of the songs in there, run this audio analysis with, with all this data that Spotify gives me, and then try to come up with trends. Like how, how niche is their playlist? Like are they consistent within BPM and genres and valence and 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 whatnot or are they just all over the place because 
a playlist that's all over the place is actually probably not a very good playlist. And one of those that's really focused on a niche, like if they do thrash metal and that's their thing, that's a good playlist, right? So you don't want to steer clear of a playlist that's like New Pop Friday and has, you know, a hip hop song followed by an EDM song followed by a, like, that's just, it sends all the wrong signals to Spotify and, and they're unable to use their machine learning and artificial intelligence to figure out who, who you sound like. I mean, that, that's the whole thing. And if you can teach Spotify who you sound like, then you're going to have a better chance of showing up in their algorithmic playlists. So if they see a consistent trend, you know, artist A and artist B are constantly overlapping, then they'll recommend the fan bases to each other. So yeah, one of the cool things I can do with Spotify's API is identify where those overlaps are and which playlists are strongly aligned with, with the direction an artist might want to go. So right now I do that on, on the nicheness and the genres, but I think adding in, in the artist element would be cool and is totally doable with their API. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast. Or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're going to have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're going to bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top-level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're going to have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you want to take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Cool. Very interesting. Yeah, I know. I was just using Spotify like two days ago to create a playlist and they had like suggested songs for the playlist, right? So, so that either they could be recommending it based on like similar artists, but it but it seems like there's a fair chance that it's there's something on the song basis or the playlist level where it's like suggested yeah. songs for a playlist. I mean, I could pull it up and check, but it's <laughs> it's it's there, it's there. So yeah. you're right; they're either doing it on a track by track basis, but I know that at the very least, their API allows you to do it on an artist basis, so you can look up an artist. Let's say you added three artists to that, and and you know, all three of them had one overlapping artist that they shared in common, and that's an obvious recommendation that they could make. So, yeah, I Very think it's, cool. a, it's a cool thing to dive into. It's, yeah. it's a, my database is getting big. 
Yeah. Um, I think it's about 80 gigabytes now in the database. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, part, part of me, why I'm asking some of these questions or I'm like curious about this is with our software as a service street team, I think that one of the next big movements is going to be linking artists to similar artists, you know, based on their music and based on, you know, that, that type of PI integration. So, I mean, I, I see that I'm like, gosh, that'd be really cool if you just had a list of like, here's the top 10 artists that you should reach out to and build a relationship with and potentially play a show together, do collaboration with, because there's a lot of alignment there. And you guys, it would likely, like you'd have a lot of overlap with your your fans would be kind of an interesting one. Although you'd want to suggest people who weren't, weren't exactly the same, but like complementary, right? So it's not like you're all playing just the same note, which doesn't add really a whole lot of like resonance or harmony, but instead it's like, you know, you're all playing a slightly different note in the chords. So it's like they come together and they create, you know, a symphony, but it's better that they're not exactly the same. Yeah. You might have trouble doing that with Spotify's API. Mm. Worth a shot though. I think, I think, you, so some of the cool things you said there, I mean, you, you would want it to be localized and, and I'm not sure if they actually provide localized information. You'd have to dig around and see what's in there. But, but you could definitely, you can definitely, but then it's a chicken or the egg thing, right? And this is maybe where Submit Hub comes in is that if you're a brand new artist, you don't have that similar artist section yet because you haven't taught Spotify who you sound like. And, mm -hmm. and I've seen artists really mess that up by, mm -hmm. you know, the worst thing you can do is go on, on one of those, go on Instagram and, and hit up a Spotify playlist and pay $20 to get put in. Total scam. Mm -hmm. And it's going to screw you completely because now you're getting put in a playlist with all the other artists who paid twenty dollars, mm -hmm. and there's that's what Spotify thinks you're similar to. And yeah. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're I'm like really harping on this this analogy because I feel like it it works for it. But it's like you're playing this, and then you artificially add in like a bunch yeah. of other ones. It's like it's gonna muddy the waters. It's like no, actually, it sounds like what you're saying you want to find out where where are those those harmonies. And it sounds like Submit Hub is a great um, place where there's an opportunity to kind of dial in you know, what are some of those harmony notes, or at least it's something that you're going to be focused on building Put it in. differently, actually, you want to, you want to send out a signal. Mm -hmm. You want to play music loudly to, to try to find and attract the people who, who you might align with. So, so really it is about sending that signal and teaching Spotify's algorithms where you should fit. So mm -hmm. if, if you are a C chord and, and you want to find other C chords, like you got to go on there and, and get yourself into playlists where those existing ones exist. Well, that's a lot of existence, but hopefully that makes sense. Like you, you want to make sure that if you sound like Bonobo, try to get yourself into other playlists that feature Bonobo and get your song yeah. played alongside Bonobo because then Spotify sees, cool, your song keeps getting played in conjunction. I bet they're a similar artist. And, and mm. boom, now you've got that. You've taught Spotify where you land. So mm. I think I think that's really one useful way to think about playlists because Realistically, I'm I'm quite a pessimist about about the impact that a playlist can have. Even an editorial Spotify playlist, the, the holy grail of what everyone's after. Getting into it is a temporary uh, boost. And what happens is that typically when you get removed from these playlists, you see a complete drop in listeners, but you you they don't it's gone. It's gone. They weren't your fans. They weren't sticking around. They were just playing that playlist passively in the background on shuffle. And mm. and so Spotify it's a fickle beast, man. I, I liked the idea of, of the strategy of, of teaching it where to place your music algorithmically because I think a lot of the bigger artists pick up their listeners algorithmically and also those editorial playlists are in large part driven by algorithmic success. 
So they're not going to typically add a song that hasn't been performing well algorithmically. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like this mystery, you know, everyone's trying to gain Google SEO where they were at least for 15 years, but that was a huge thing, right? And no one knew that actual formula, but you had some clues. I think Spotify is a little bit like that. Mm. Interesting. So there is a couple of, of points that you made there that I think would be really helpful to like kind of dive into. One being, um, once, let's say that someone does get on like 10 different playlists on Spotify and they have all this traffic, I'd be curious if, if you have any thoughts or ideas on like, how, how do they actually build a deeper relationship with those people and so take someone from a casual listener who doesn't really care that much to actually connecting with them. So I'm going to open up a loop with that one and kind of circle back around to that. But before we get there, I would love to to dig in a little bit to, you know, submit hub and, and really like getting themselves on those playlists in the first place. Right. So, so you mentioned how important it is to kind of seed the, the algorithm with the right, you know, the right nodes, the harmonies so that you're kind of training it. Like this is who you should suggest my music to don't just, you know, put it to everybody. So gosh, I wish there was a, you know, a platform that existed somewhere that you could use to connect with, you know, playlist owners and curators and, I'm um, just uh, so submit hub, you know, is like a platform where that's like, you know, the, the idea is with <laughs> my side camera angle. I won't lie. <laughs> so I would love to hear just from your ex experience. Maybe, maybe you could share a little bit about at this point, you've been around for, you know, for a long time now. And, you, and I, I'm sure you've seen the people doing it right and having, you know, enormous success by doing it the right way. And you've probably also seen a lot of common mistakes and sort of the where people miss the mark when they're using it. So um, I'd love to hear from your perspective, what are some of the best practices for using Submit Hub? Like, what do you recommend? Right. Let's say that someone's listening to this right now and they have a new EP that is going to be coming out in a month or two, or they just released it. Now they're ready to kind of get it placed. How do you recommend that they, they start to really get the most out of the, the platform? Right. I've got a competitor who shall not be named, but their answer to this is spend more money. And they say the artists who have the most success are the ones who spend the most. And I won't do that. I don't do that. It's a sales pitch. I, I kind of come in with the opposite. I think it's it's much smarter to come in with a smaller budget. And one of the biggest mistakes I see are artists who land on Submit Hub thinking that, oh, cool, this is going to be easy. All I have to do is send my song to 100 playlisters and boom, I'm going to be Beyonce, right? Huge mistake. Those are usually the guys who end up walking away saying, you know, this is a scam. I spent $100. I'm supposed to be big like Beyonce. What's going on? Personally, I think, I think when you're promoting your music, dude, on many different avenues you can go. There are a lot of gurus out there on YouTube who will teach you different techniques for promoting your music from Instagram ads to hustling DMs to Twitter to whatever, Twitch to scam playlist. It's all out there. And I'm a big believer in, in the fact that you really need to play it from as many angles as you can. So people have asked me to, to come up with case studies or like, you know, Tell me some of the success stories from Submit Hub. Like, name an artist who's made it big. And, and the answer is that I don't have any. I can't name any because that's not the way it works. You cannot singularly get big from one approach anymore. It just doesn't work. So there are artists who've leveraged Submit Hub very well to support all of their ongoing promotion. And this can come from, from many different angles, not just playlists. So music blogs still actually add some value here. Not because they're going to expose you to a lot of listeners, but because they're going to help you build your, your resume, so to speak. And I think most people refer to that as your EPK, your electronic press kit. But this is effectively a one sheet that you as an artist will 
be able to leverage throughout your career when you're trying to get booked for shows or pitch to a label or anything like that. And, and blogs can be important there because they allow you to put little quotes on there. That's a little bit of social proof that someone's you know, written about. Indie Shuffle says, this is the greatest song to come out this week. Boom, great quote, put it on there. Another thing that blogs can help you do is they help you populate your Google feed and make it look a little bit more wholesome. So let's say you're a new artist, you come out, you put your song out through DistroKid and that's it. You might find that that song populates Google through all those various different streaming platforms, but that's not necessarily good content to have up there if someone is looking up your name and wants to find out more about you or verify whether you are worth booking. So music blogs are cool because it's, it's called evergreen content. They stick around for a long time. Like most typically music blogs don't take the content offline. You write a blog post, it stays up. Our stuff from Indie Shuffle from 2007 is still up there, still on Google, still accessible. So music blogs are a cool part of that strategy because they help you build that, that sort of resume, so to speak. And, and you do actually typically get people writing about your music. And, and that's something that I think can be special to many artists. So step one, when you're coming on and submitting, I think there is still value in going to some of these music blogs. And so I would recommend trying to identify a few that strongly align with your, your genre and your taste. And you'll see on Submit Up, we have something called a genre match. So you can identify the, the curators who align pretty closely with you. Send your song off to 10 of them. Hope for two or three blog posts, maybe even more. Boom, you got that. Okay, and then now you got to move on to your vanity metrics. This is a bit of your Spotify. So we touched on the, on the idea of teaching Spotify where you should land. If you are a completely fresh artist and they don't have that information, they're going to need some sort of signals. And these early playlist ads are the things that are going to send those signals. Even if it's five or 10 listeners, trying to get that lined up with the, the right group of people who you want to essentially represent you on Spotify is crucially important. Once you're a more established artist, that's, that's not necessarily as important. I think Spotify, at that point, you know, you've released 5, 10, 15 songs. They kind of know where you fall, who they should recommend you to in the release radar, that type of stuff. So the vanity metric one, oh man, it's tricky because like Spotify does pay almost $4 for a thousand streams, which is actually a really good internet rate in terms of, in terms of advertising. It, it beats all advertising these days. It's one of the best... It's one of the best paying things on the internet, even though it sounds pretty terrible. It's actually really good. And so you do earn a little bit of money, but you'll find that when you go through sites like Submit Hub and Playlist Push and Groover, when you get added to these playlists, you're typically only looking at between 50 to 200 listeners per ad. You're probably not going to make your money back explicitly from it. So again, this is, you know, you've got the angle of teaching Spotify where you should fall, but then there is a bit of the vanity metrics. You don't want to have your, you know, people open up your profile and see that that dreaded like less than 1,000 players on a song, right? You want to try to get some traction there if you're going to book a show or get booked, you know, signed to a record label. Um, so again, I, I would then focus on, on 10 to 20 Spotify playlists who are within that niche. So the takeaway here is that the, the big error I see people do is they, they come in and they just sort of spray and pray to use a computer mm -hmm. gaming term. Whereas I think the more successful ones are, are far more targeted in it. And then they go and they say, okay, cool. You know, that took me 20 minutes on Submit Hub. Now I'm going to spend the rest of my time focusing on the music video I'm doing or getting ready for this gig I'm going to play live 
or interact. Like there are so many angles you have to tackle it from as an artist today that the idea in my head is that Submit Hub should just be a service on the side that you plug in, boom, fire that off, hope something happens. If it doesn't, keep moving. It's like you're throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks and Submit Hub's just a a tasty noodle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, lots of really good stuff in there. So so it sounds like what you're saying is that one of the first things to do is to consider submitting to you know, maybe 10, 10 or so blogs if you want a couple of, of blog placements and that there's a benefit. Yeah, you know, The first thing that popped to mind as you were describing that was watching TV and like a commercial comes on for a new movie. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I see you know, the commercial happening and then it starts flashing across the screen, like you know, five out of five stars or like this was like a breathtaking experience or like best movie of the year. Or, like this was, yeah, that makes a really big impact. And so it sounds like, you know, you can use those blog you know, placements, you can use some of those quotes for, you know, things that you put on your website, even just to place in Google. So when someone searches yeah. you, you can um, even pull them from the feedback you get. So let's say you get rejected by Indie Shuffle. Hey, I really love this song. The guitars at the chorus were epic and I love the way they played together. But the lead vocalist, I struggled to get into. Drop the last part, put the part about the mm. guitars in your press quote, and boom, you just made lemonade out of lemons, right? Mm. That's awesome. So like in my mind, I was like imagining like, like this song was absolute trash. Like I hated it. But then if you like somehow it turned out like this yeah. is like the greatest. <laughs> but it, it doesn't sound like that's what you recommend. It's just taking the good, like the true good pieces and then being able to showcase those. Awesome. Most curators try to write what we call a compliment sandwich. And we, and we don't even mm-hmm. necessarily coach them to do this. But the mm-hmm. approach we want them to take when they're declining a song is to A, say something that proves you listened. So say something specific about the song, not a generic statement like, hey, really loved your song. Actually, let the artist know you listened and then B, let them know why it's not a good fit. And most of them take that A part to be the compliment and and they come in with something really positive. In fact, sometimes the issues we have is people be like, hey, thanks for sending your song. This is the loveliest thing I've ever heard. It's amazing. I'm going to play it at my sister's wedding. Declined. Like, whoa, dude, right. why, wait, why was it declined? And so then we, we go and we coach those. We, we've actually put a lot of effort in this year into coaching curators to common mistakes to avoid. So that one doesn't come up as often, but that used to be a pretty common one on Twitter. Like, love your song, declined, without actually yeah. saying why it's declined. Anyway, yeah, sure. compliment sandwich, take a compliment, turn it into some PR. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really valuable life advice too. I think for everyone listening, just like, how do you deliver constructive feedback in, in a nice way? Like that compliment sandwich idea of, you know, you start, you lead with something that's a nice compliment, something you really like, and then you kind of deliver the, the stuff that's, you know, can be kind of sensitive and then you end it with like another compliment or another thing that you really like. Yeah, yeah. It really is a special way to be able to present feedback in in a loving, kind kind of way. Another, another important approach or useful one is to keep it subjective rather than objective. So, you know, in, the, in that example I gave, rather than saying, you know, well, the vocalist kind of sucked, you would say, well, I struggled to connect with the vocalist personally. So there's a, there's a slight differentiation in the way that you put it. And I think that emphasis on the fact that, hey, music is subjective. And just because I don't like it doesn't mean others won't. But here's why I don't like it. It, it can sort of soften the blow a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Cool. So let's let's swing back around to that open loop that we opened up a little bit around Spotify as a platform and maybe a disconnect between 
the listeners? Like, like how do we bridge the gap? How do we build an actual authentic connection with those fans? Is not just you know, streaming in the background, but actually people who might come out to shows or actually be supportive. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on just the current lay of the land right now. What are some ways that someone can kind of build more of that authentic connection? Yeah, I, I personally am not sure that Spotify is a good way to do that. It lacks the localization that you need. So if you are a musician who wants to perform live, Spotify is actually probably one of the worst ways to promote your music. It's good, again, for that vanity metric, making sure that your Spotify looks like it's actually got some action going on. It's that social proof. People land on it. They they don't think that they're crazy for liking your music. And they, they, they get that confidence boost out of seeing that others are also liking it. But at the end of the day, you could pick up 50,000 listeners on Spotify and and if you try to go on tour, none of them are going to be there. And and it's for a couple of reasons. A, they're spread out through through the whole world. B, they're not actually listening to you. That's the problem with playlists. They're listening to the playlist. It's a passive sort of thing. And and C, Spotify doesn't really give you a good way to contact. Mm-hmm. Not to my yeah. knowledge. I think right. they've they've got some advertising suites where you can sort of retarget your listeners and people who've encountered your songs and keep hitting them up. Obviously, yeah. you know, Spotify is staunchly anti-payola, right? So you're not allowed to pay for placement in a playlist. That's one of their policies. And so SubmitHub's approach is that you're not paying for your share, you're paying for the, the time spent considering the song. So that's how we don't fall foul of the the rule that Spotify has. But ironically, they have an advertising program where you can pay to make your songs play next, which mm-hmm. is not disclosed to the user. It's just, hey, that's the song that plays next. So wow. it is. Yeah, and, and that's definitely it, the definition of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so Spotify auto enables this feature that, you know, if you listen to an album, they'll start playing similar stuff afterwards. Right. I've got that disabled, but I bet you 90% of people don't. And in fact, controversially, about six months ago, in one of their software updates, they automatically enabled that option for all Chromecast and Sonos and streaming devices. And they didn't provide an option to disable it. And three weeks later, they quickly rolled out a patch for the people who were complaining to be like, okay, fine, there's an extra option now to disable it. But I think most people are just going on to what's next. And so Spotify does provide an advertising way to try and retarget those people. And I think you can probably do that on a location basis. So let's say that you are operating out of you know, the Bay Area in California and you're trying to have some shows there. That's going to be one approach that you can take. I don't think a playlist pitching platform like SubmitHub is really going to allow you. I mean, I don't want to shoot my own product down here, but like, even, playlist pitching doesn't help you target a specific region unless maybe you go like find a playlist that's like Bay Area hip hop. But even then, it's probably being listened to by a bunch of people who aren't in the Bay Area. So really, if you are a, a musician trying to perform live, the best ways you can do it are by performing live. Like just start small and grow from there. People in the local community are going to see you and notice you and you grow from that. So those, those interpersonal connections. You can try Instagram advertising because that also allows you to really target in on a on a demographic by location age gender sexual orientation whatever the hell facebook has right similar artists too yeah similar artists and in fact actually a lot of our spotify playlisters are keeping their playlists engaged and active with instagram ads it's probably the most common technique used because spotify they don't have any interest in promoting independent playlists they're trying to push their own editorial playlists 
So independent playlisters are constantly struggling to get engagement much in a way that, that artists are as well. Yeah, mm. I guess to, to answer your question, like how do you leverage those playlists into those shows? It's really difficult and I, I don't think there is a straightforward path to it. Yeah. Thank you for that answer. I feel like that was like a very honest, honest answer. And and I think we have similar views in terms of the platform and, and being able to, it's not like Spotify is like evil or bad or like you shouldn't use it. Like clearly it's like the number one platform for streaming songs, but it just seemed like there's a, a need for a way to build a deeper connection with those fans and not having access to be able to like to contact those fans that follow you on Spotify is challenging. But we, we should definitely catch up. So our, our street team platform is basically like we designed it to help make campaigns more effective when it comes to like reaching new fans. The, the way that I look at advertising, let's say Instagram advertising, for example, is that it's really just like a numbers game. And you'd probably appreciate this because you know, you're a coder and you're probably like good at math, but you really like advertising is just, it's two numbers. It's like, how much are you paying to acquire a new fan and how much are you earning per new fan that you bring in? And those are, that's all that matters. And so like, you know, if you're advertising and you're spending $5 bringing a new fan and you make a dollar per fan, then it's just not going to keep working. It's not going to be sustainable. And like, you know, there's lifetime value and different things too. But so it's just all about that balance, that scale. And, you know, if you're paying to stream for someone to stream your song on Spotify and you get paid, you know, less than a penny per stream. And most people don't even listen to the 30 seconds to get counted as like a first stream. And some yeah. people may listen to like 10 times. You know, if they listen a thousand times to that song, that'd be like 30 hours of, if it's a three minute song, it's like 30 hours of nonstop streaming and you get paid $4 from someone listening for 30 nonstop hours to your song, which is a no, crazy you, amount no, of time would, to listen to. It would, it would get flagged by but Spotify less. as something ah. fake and you, <laughs> you cancel right. out. Ah. Right. It is, so when I look at that in terms of like, at least for advertising, it's like in order for you to be able to have a profitable campaign going directly to Spotify, then you need to pay less than like half a penny per per stream, not even per click. And there's ways that you can, you know, spend 50 cents per lead and make a dollar or $2 per lead, but it's not, you know, by going to Spotify directly. So there, there's probably some some cool stuff for us to to be able to connect on related to the street team software and like maybe building an API connection with playlists with Submit Hub. It's something, yeah, we'll we'll be able to geek out and kind of explore some stuff. But mush it over um, your head and see where you land. But yeah, I mean, so, I, I, I playlists are they shouldn't be used as a way to grow a local fan base. They should be used for other things. And and there's some yeah. artists who don't care about a local fan base, right? I mean, if you're making mm -hmm. lo-fi hip hop beats there's a good right. chance you're never actually going to be playing a show anyway. You just kind of want to make music in your pajamas and rely on streaming revenue. And people do that. They do, they do totally fine there. So it's, it's different, different strokes for different folks. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. It's like one point that you've brought up was about how, you know, if you want to get started being able to play shows and like draw folks out to shows, then you want to start connecting with the people that already doing that that are like already going out to shows rather than trying to convince someone who doesn't really go out to shows normally and doesn't really resonate that much with their music that's going to be way way more difficult to get someone like that out to your show than just finding the people who are already going out to shows near you that are already supporting artists that have this like inertia right like they already have momentum and then mm -hmm. you, instead of having to try to like convince someone to do something that they don't really want to do 
you're just connecting with the people who already get value from it and showing up for them. Yeah, you got to maybe one strategy there is to to open up for other acts. Hundred mm. yeah. percent. Yeah. I mean, that's a tale as old as time for touring artists is like, you know, opening up yeah. for similar artists as long as it can draw a fan base. Cool, man. Well, hey, let's let's get ready to wrap up for today. But this is this cool. has been awesome. And I appreciate oh, I mean, hopefully for people who are listening to this right now, you know, I I did super enjoyed the part where we were geeking out about like API stuff. And then hopefully other people who are listening can I see the the benefits are kind of planting the seeds of you know, because really what that's about is like connecting you with the right people who are going to resonate with your music and if they have followers who resonate with your music as well then that's a huge asset but for anyone who's who's listening to this right now who is interested in exploring submit hub and kind of launching a campaign what's the best place for them to go to get started well submithub.com it should be pretty Boom. straightforward i mean i i've, I've <laughs> yeah. tried to make it as simple as possible and it should be fairly self-explanatory especially if you've listened to this podcast but it's a good way to go i mean you just go there and, and follow the steps it's pretty straightforward Upload your song, Beautiful. choose who you want to send to, boom, done. There's, there's not too much more complexity than that. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, like always, we're, we're going to put the links in the show notes, but it's pretty straightforward. You just go type in submithub.com. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here and share Thanks some lessons me, and insights from what you've learned. Also, just for like the platform in general, it, it feels like just based on our conversation, you have a very like transparent, authentic voice. So thank you for you know, for, for sharing that. and. And not trying to blow things up out of proportion or like, you know, try to, I don't know, to, to like over one of the things that you had mentioned was over, over hyping, right? Like setting good yeah. expectations, I think is, is really helpful for the, yeah. the music community. So thanks again for taking the time. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.